What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, What's Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Today's topic, Joey, is unbelievable, but true. Very similar to the book my daughter Betsy is reading right now. Okay, what, what book are you talking about? The book is called Unbelievable But True. I just told you. Oh, okay. So it's the same title. <laughs> it's the same title, but how does that title relate to today's topic? Well, I, I'm hoping you're going to tell me. You're the one that brought it up. Well, you were the one that participated in the actual inner circle. I wasn't there this time. Well, you're talking about raising outside capital to get to financial freedom is unbelievable but true. Like, are you saying most people don't believe it's possible to do that? Well, yeah, because if you went out to somebody and said, hey, did you know that I've um, I've invested over two and a half million dollars into different investment projects over the last you know three to five years and I didn't put a dollar in it? No, Most that's, people a, be like, that's amazing. Well, that's unbelievable, but that can't be true. <laughs> but this is actually unbelievable, but true and true. And, and here's the thing I would I would add to this, Russ. Today's topic is for that person that says, I can't be financially free because I don't have access to capital or I don't have access to enough capital. So I'm going to have to put this off for a long period of time. And to your point, there are people that are doing this at a high level and getting to financial freedom super fast because they're implementing the things we talked about today. I think that there's a gift there, right? And no you have to know that there are things that are true that also could be unbelievable. Hence the reason my, my daughter brings this book to me. She went and picked it up yesterday at the little, um, what is it, Second and Charles, whatever you go and get you know, these books, uh, use books. And she, she says, Dad, is it possible where diamonds, that diamonds could fall from the sky? You're like, no, baby, that, that's that, not how that like, works. No, that, that, that's not the, no, no situation where that could happen. Well, today she comes in and said, dad, well, it actually could. Do you know what a, a water tornado is? And I was like, yeah, we call them water spouts, but I get what you're at. She says, well, water tornado can suck up things that are in the water and spit them out. I was like, okay, true. She's like, yeah, it fish, could be like whatever. fish. It could be oysters. It could be, you know, eels. It could be a diamond if it was in the water. Man, my brain was just blown just right now. <laughs> she got me. Now, this is the same little girl where we were playing games together and when we were on this trip, and we were sitting there playing, what's the game with the hacky sack thing that, that when you're trying to get in the hole, it's um, – Cornhole. Cornhole, there you go. So we're, we're playing, and there's this little guy, you know, musician playing on the stage next to us, you know, singing, you know, a lot of songs I like. It, kind of my music and my daughter comes up and says, Hey dad, can we, can we tip them? I was like, well, we could, if I had went to one of those ATM machines that cousin Mark has, you know, but I didn't do that. Right. I don't have any cash, but no worries. I'll go to him and I'll just Venmo him. So we're getting ready to leave. And I say, Hey, uh, what's your Venmo? He goes, ah, I know what you're talking about, but I don't have one. 
Oh. And I'm thinking, one, what a, how what is it that you're under the age of 30 and you don't have a Venmo, right? Like that's, everybody's got one. Even I've got one of those and I'm not even under 30. Well, technically my wife has one of those and I just use hers. Exactly. That's how that works. <laughs> so I, and I'm like, well, I get in the car and I go, you know, that guy, he's totally missing out. Here's the thing. Here's what we should do. The idea guy comes out, right? Unbelievable, but true. Is why don't we go around and build like a a platform for these little sidewalk musicians who would raise a lot more money if they had a Venmo account and we could build them the little sandwich boards that that has their like QR code for their Venmo. Because think about it. So smart. When you tip one of those guys, you usually give them a couple bucks. But if you're going to Venmo somebody, you're going to Venmo $2. I don't think so. You're going to put at least five bucks in there. His tips are going to increase 40 to 50%. And by us setting it up, we could just skim off the top 10. Why not? Think about the money we can make in this deal, bro. I love it. Let's do it. Well, we we move from there. We go to a soccer meet. We show up to the soccer game. They want $5 for parking. Sure. Why not? I still have not been to a stinking ATM machine. I don't have five bucks. That unbelievable, but true. I don't have the five dollars. So I'm trying to figure out, like, well, how are we going to do it? Thankfully, one of my kids ponied up five bucks that they had stuck in their pocket, and I was like, I have to get the money back to you. Unbelievable, but true. I, I probably won't do it. But the it, here, here's the thing: as I thought about it, it's like, well, think about all these event venues. How many people roll up with five dollars? They don't have the cash. Nobody. Yeah. Well, what if what if you set up a Venmo the same Venmo system for them and it's seven bucks? It's seven bucks if you'd like to use Venmo, right? Or five dollars no if you got cash. Boom. They're just clearing an extra two dollars. I could I could scan my 10% off the deal. They're still making money. Yeah, I would just go ahead and just collect a, a dollar difference and they make more. Yeah. This is this is what I'm talking about here. These Brilliant. are ideas that I have for you, Joey. This is how I could raise capital to do deals for our next projects just from this alone. So if anybody wants to get in the Venmo business with me, <laughs> help me figure out how we could set up a Venmo account. The money, 10% could go to us. The other 90% could go to the, you know, the event or the musician or you, you fill in the blank. I think it's a beautiful idea. Let's do it. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm ready to sign up. But hey, before we do that, let's get into this episode that you were not a part of. Maybe you can learn something about how to raise some of the outside capital to get to your Venmo ideas. So without further ado, let's belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable. And I am your host, Joey, the Italian Stallion Mure, joined as always by the most amazing coaches in the industry. Today, we're one shy. The idea guy is not with us. He is too, too, uh, he's stuck in Imagineering down at Disney World with his family. And by the way, if one of us had to be there, I'm glad it was him. 
That is not, that is not the happiest place on that. earth. Are you with me? I'm with okay. you. But who is here? We have these great coaches. I want to, I want to introduce them to you now. We have the resident pilot, Mark the Gooch Haraguchi. Mark, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. So excited glad to have to you. About, excited to talk about this because you know what? Dollars are one of my favorite things. So looking forward to talking about uh, finding more friends. Exactly. Across the table, we have downtown Ernie Brown in the flesh. Ernie, welcome. Hey, man, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And uh, before you introduce our next guest, somebody was asking me what his name was. And he was like, gosh, that, it's that guy, Smiley. Smiley. <laughs> Mr. Smiles or Smiley, some, something like that. No, it's the man with the million dollar smile, Mr. Incredible, Mr. J.D. Hill. Man, I am more than happy that you're here because you look like death. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I am uh, not Mr. Incredible right now. I am Mr. Under the Weather. Uh, but I am really glad to be here, though. It's like if you can hear it all in my nasal, oh. uh, that's, exa that's exactly where it is. Man, well, I'm just grateful that you you sacrificed to be at the roundtable today. I did. I'm excited about this topic. It's one uh, that I think uh, people often ask about, and so I'm excited to to dig into it and share uh, all of our experiences and my experience on on how we've been able to uh, tackle this. All right. So we we are mentioning raising capital, how to raise capital in order to get to financial freedom as fast as possible, which. That's ultimately what we're talking about, using leverage and um, finding outside investor capital. But I, I actually talked about this in our Tuesday Inner Circle meeting, that there's really three ways that I can think of, you guys can feel free to add to this, to raise capital and use other people's money. And they come in the way of infinite banking, leveraging the insurance company's money, family banking, taking silos of generations and bringing them together into one for the benefit of all. And then third, raising capital from outside investors. Um, anything you guys would add to that, Mark, uh, as far as like your thoughts on the, on the subject? Powerball. Powerball. <laughs> solid, solid strategy. Um, yes. I don't know why that one, that was not on my list. I don't know why. <laughs> No, those, those, those three basically hit it out of the park right there. All right, Earn, what's your first take on this? Like you hear the topic, how to raise capital, get to financial freedom as fast as possible. What does that resonate with you? Like what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, as you, when you were sharing this, the first thing that came to mind, IBC, family banking, outside investors, Two or three of those things always keep you in the clear. One of the three of those things can get you in trouble with the SEC. Mm. Our friends at the SEC. And so that's, that's not your... the Southeastern Conference either. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you immediately go to, how am I going to get my hand slapped? How, how can I not get my hand slapped is what I'm going to. Uh, okay. You know, you reg D regulations, you, you might need to get, if you're raising money for a deal and you're wanting to advertise that deal or you're seeking outside money, uh, you might want to be a little bit careful, run this by an attorney. Gotcha. So right off the bat, I asked the guy, 
who's going to poo-poo the idea, okay, this is not good. Well, you missed the part where it said two out of those three things keep you in the clear all the time. Ah. That, that smells like an opportunity to me. Don't go chase the waterfalls. Please stick That's to right. the rivers. Go chase family money. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Stick all right, JD, what's your, what's your first yeah. take on the subject? Uh, this, this, this actually excites me. I love raising capital. And I think once you learn how to raise capital, uh, opportunities begin to present themselves um, all around you. Um, and so it's, it's such a, it's such a key skill, I think, to learn. Uh, it's not necessarily necessary. You guys haven't done that, uh, which I know you'll get into, but it's, I think it's a, it is a skill to learn. Um, because once you learn it, I think it really can help to accelerate, um, your, your journey to financial freedom. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, you said that kind of like nonchalantly, like, Hey, I'm, I feel like death. So I'm going to say this, but not really mean it, but you have a lot of cool opportunities that have come your way because of this. So I, I can't wait to break into that. Mark, your take. My first take is when, when I hear the idea of raising capital to get to financial freedom as fast as possible, well, then to me, my mind goes, you know, well, would you like to achieve financial freedom sooner or later in life? Are you planning on saving for all of the payment first, or would you like to leverage someone else's money to get into the deal sooner? Mm, okay. So yours is all time, time related. Sure. I'm, I'm a pilot. It's all about time. <laughs> Getting oh, to your destination on time. on time. That's right. On time. Answer. Okay. All right. My, my first thought about this is probably, I guess, Ernie and I are in the same camp. I'm almost kind of a little bit on the, on the, the slow start here, like the defense, like, wait a minute. If it, I, I think of it as a huge responsibility, right? Like if I am going to go raise capital, then it behooves me to be an expert in knowing how to create cash flow and, and financial freedom first before taking anybody else's money and be, having that responsibility to return it to them, both with a profit and for it to be beneficial to us for having taken it. So to me, it's kind of like, man, where's my education? Where's my, um, where am I as an investor before I start going out and kind of just like, you know, haphazardly raising funds and then hoping for the best. Like that's, it could go bad quickly. Right. So Ernie, I'm with you. Be a little bit more cautious. Right. So, so if, if that's a first take, how does somebody actually raise this capital? I want to get super like practical with today's topic. And I want you to walk away from this like, okay, this is something I could do. Um, who, who wants to start us off? Yeah, I'll, um, I'll tackle this first one. Um, I think the first thing that you need to do is you need to have uh, proof of concept, right? You need to have a business idea or a business plan. I think Shark Tank, right? Okay. Very practically speaking is you're, because that's what you're doing is in, when you go into the Shark Tank is you're trying to raise capital for your business. Um, and these are uh, entrepreneurs that are going into the shark tank with an existing business idea with existing revenues. And they're saying, look, I've got a good idea here, but I need more capital in order to make it go faster. And so practically speaking, you need to be able to have some sort of a business 
or proof of concept that you can go to an investor to say, I need more capital to make this thing go faster. And here's what's possible. Gotcha. And then from there, what's your next step? Um, I think from there, you need to then be able to demonstrate that you know what you're doing, right? So I, I've proved the concepts in terms of saying, look, here's the actual idea, but now here's the results that I've actually gotten in, in implementing this particular idea. So you need to be able to show proof that you've successfully been able to uh, achieve this idea. Or if you can't prove that you've done it because you haven't done it yet, at least be able to prove that you have a background or a network of other folks that you're working alongside to help you. Russ, I remember my dad specifically say to me, Joey, you gotta go to college. I don't want you to end up like me. And you know what my dad was saying is in order for things to change, things have to change. You can't end up just like me. Well, I think, I mean, we, we, as parents, sometimes we take on the burden thinking about our kids and, and how we want something better for them. And we want to know what will their future look like if I don't take action, if I don't do something different. See, in my house, I'm the role model. You're your kid's role model. And the buck stops with you. It's time to take action. If you're ready to take action, join us at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and get started on your own journey to financial freedom. All right, let's jump back into this episode. Okay. I want to take this a little bit personally because you've had some experience like this. In terms of those steps, how did you get into a position to where you've been able to flip? I don't, I don't even, I don't want to fill in the blank here. You tell us your experience, but how much money you've been able to raise and how much you've been able to use that for flipping homes and other things. So we've been able to raise um, a little over $2 million to flip houses with. Uh, and this is all from private money. We haven't advertised. So we're not in jeopardy of reg D or any of those types of things, Ernie. Um, that is a big deal. Like That's good. at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> nobody wants to get in trouble with the SEC ever. Um, but we like you but, working here. We, we like you being yeah. here, the team. And I, I like, the I like being person here, so. I know that likes to get in trouble with the SEC is Ole Miss. <laughs> oh, oh sorry it's not it's not saturday i'm sorry <laughs> it's not saturday not, it, we're close um so i had a business partner that had successfully flipped a house uh, he's a client of mine at the time and now he's he's my business partner and uh, he was sharing with me about what he was doing and he had successfully done it and his biggest challenge was just like with anybody that flips houses is it's extremely capital intensive. Like you have to have money to be able to move quickly, especially in this market when houses are just flying off the shelf. And so as we were talking, I said, well, look, I don't have a problem asking people for money. <laughs> so if you want to partner together, I'll see if I can raise the money. You've got proof of concept that this works. And if I can raise the capital, do you want to partner together? And he said, absolutely. Um, and so we took the one deal that he had done. He took the one deal, uh, that, that he, we took the one deal that he had done. Uh, I built some spreadsheets cause that's what I do. And, um, we went to a couple of investors and said, look, we, this is, this is what we want to do. Um, the market in DFW is doing really, really well. Uh, and this is, this could be a multi-million dollar uh, business. Do you want to partner with us? Now, initially we were looking just for normal private, what would be known as private money. Um, we wanted somebody to just lend us money at a particular interest rate, like on terms. 
this particular individual um, said, I'm not interested in your um, interest rate that you're going to pay me. I want to be an equity partner. But in exchange for that, he had to come to the table with more than just some capital. We had to have, like, there had to be more value there than just the capital. The capital is important. It wasn't the only thing. So he had to bring some expertise, something else to the table to help us really grow the business. Uh, and so we ended up agreeing to that deal to getting access to essentially a big checkbook to be able to start buying and flipping houses. Gotcha. Well, and I think this is a really good point we can probably get to here in a little bit, but um, when you're talking about raising capital, there are so many variations of how to get there. And some of them have trade-offs, right? Pros and cons of each. We can probably get into those in just a little bit, but talk about if you had not done that, right? Had not raised capital, where would you be at this point? And talk about the acceleration that happened as a result. Yeah. Awesome. So um, there's uh, a couple of ways you can use your own cash. Uh, you can raise private money or you can use what's ordinarily called hard money. And hard money is there's no shortage of these particular people that are out there that are willing to lend you money to flip a house. Um, and they're going to charge, you know, two to five points, which is a percentage rate of the cost of the property up front. Uh, and then they're only going to loan up to a certain percentage of the value of the home. So for example, if I'm going to buy a $100,000 home, they may only lend up to 70% of that purchase price. So they're going to give me $70,000. I have to come up with the other 30,000 plus I have to usually put up some capital up front as well in terms of the quote points. So that can be pretty expensive. Uh, but then again, you're also limited on how much, how many of those extra $30,000 do you have sitting on the sidelines to be able to do, buy a bunch of these $100,000 houses, right? Um, so hard money is usually the way that most people get into the game of flipping, uh, real estate. But again, you're, you're limited on scale and how fast you can go when you get into then raising private money, which is what we'd started doing, especially on the back half was how can we actually raise money, private money to cover these down payments? So we, and that's, so and that's we, where you're saying, Hey, I want to pay this person 10% for the use of the 30,000 that I need for the down payment, let's say. That's right. Cause it's, okay. it's a less out of, it's, it's less capital outlay for them. They're not buying the entire asset. They're just basically funding a part of the deal, not the entire deal. So there's less risk there. Um, and so um, what we found is that from a leverage standpoint, you know, we have a hard money lender that's willing to lend us up to $2 million currently. And then their interest rates are fairly reasonable. And we have relationships where people will then lend us to cover the spread on whatever the down payments are. So we're using leverage on two fronts, in addition to obviously the capital inside of our policies. Um, so we haven't put very much of our own capital in a lot of our deals. It's all been done through raising capital and raising money from other people, uh, which has been a very good business model for us. Uh, now I will say, and, and, and I, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, there is a, a, a weighty responsibility that comes with this um, because if, if we miss, right? Which the way you make money in real estate is on the buy. It's not on the sales. If you buy it right, you're going to make money. Uh, Joe, you know that. Yep. Um, is if we take a loss somewhere, our investor won't. We'll always make sure that our investor gets made whole. Because um, that's just something like I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that somebody got hurt financially, if that makes sense. Right. So Mark, you're here in this conversation. What questions come to mind that you're like, okay, JD, but what about this? Ask me anything, Mark. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, I, I didn't realize that that question was was coming to to formulate a question. No, I, I, 
I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this through the lens of, of how I've done it. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and, and mine was, Hey, I, I need to save up. Cause I, so I wanted to do single family homes. So I needed to save up the down payment. So I was trying to save cash to go and put it into investment. But the problem is in the time it takes to save some of that money, prices have gone up. So, so now I, I need to take a little more time to save some more money. So I can get into that. Well, that little bit more time means the prices have gone up a little bit more. So it's kind of like I'm I'm chasing. Whereas if I had known how to, number one, show a proof of concept, demonstrate some experience or partner with someone. Number two, could I demonstrate value of the investment, right? Because let's face it, if I if I loan you money, JD, to go to flip a house, am I loaning you money for the flip? Or am I investing in you that you're going to be able to bring home the bacon? Both. Um, <laughs> you're, I mean, ultimately, right. You don't necessarily know anything about the, 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 the property itself. Uh, I, as an investor, you're going to ask questions about generally like what markets are you in? Um, are you pretty concentrated in those markets? You know, there's certain key indicators that you would look for things like days on market. Uh, it's a big key indicator. Um, if, if days on market is, is less than a week, that means that that houses are flying off the shelf there. You know, so there are certain key indicators that you're going to want to understand and to make sure that we're staying in our wheelhouse. What's our price point that we're looking at? So most of the houses that we're buying are generally under $250,000 um, just because that, that inventory is very, very low and the demand is very high. Uh, and so we want to go where there's a lot of demands. You know, and so we're, we're trying to put ourselves in a position to where we're not trying to hit home runs. We're trying to hit singles and doubles. Right. Um, and so for you as the investor, what's that? Hold on a second. So the, the, where, where my question was actually going was, was a much higher view than that of if I don't have faith in you, if I don't have trust in you, if I don't have some metric to gauge you, then everything you're telling me is just a sales pitch. And so that's, Correct. that's the, right. the point that I, I want to convey to people. You're absolutely right there. I am investing on two fronts. Do I believe that property is going to work? But more importantly, do I believe that you're going to be able to make that property work? So, so my, my, my thought out there for everyone is if you are thinking that, Hey, you know what, going out and trying to secure other sources of, of funds to get you to where you need to be, you've got to be, selling yourself a fair amount. You've got to be someone that someone else wants to invest in because ultimately if if I was to partner with you JD, I would be partnering with you. Because I have to trust you, I have to believe in you. Your business model that's great, but if I have no trust in you, I don't care how good your business model is. That's right. I don't want to do any business with you. It's a great that's point. Right. So earn uh, what would you add to this as far as either questions or some experience that you've had in, in the space or had a client have experience? Yeah. Well, I think just realizing you either need to bring your own experience to the table or have someone on your team that brings experience to the table that people are going to feel comfortable investing in. Um, I agree with that. So we're saying you need to bring proof of concept. You need to be able to demonstrate the value of the project you're raising money for. And then what JD was just talking about his example of what he's done, raising uh, capital from, and and really just kind of falling through this and getting started. This opportunity was here with some private money, but then a hard money opportunity that 
that really broke the game open for him. Um, a part of it, I think, is once you demonstrate the value of the particular project is understanding of how are you going to pay these people back and let that determine what kind of money are you looking for? Are you willing to give up some equity, long-term equity of the project, or are you just looking to pay uh, some private lenders uh, an interest rate for access to their capital? And then that, that changes how you're asking, who you're asking, and the type of investor you're looking for on your project. And I, I do like this idea, JD's experience of, uh, and he didn't say this, but it sounds like just kind of following through this and seeing what kind of doors open in front of the right people and being comfortable finding a combination of. Yeah. I love the the fact of what you're pointing out in some cases, like you, you mentioned that that one partner came in and he wanted more than just like a rate, like a rate of return on his money. He wanted more because he could see that there was more potential. So in your mind, that was a trade-off, right? He's going to get a little bit bigger bite off of each one of these deals. But why did it make sense in your mind to do something like that? Yeah, um, we, uh, I think for us, it was because, you know, we were, just getting started. And so it was the first opportunity that we had where somebody was willing to throw, you know, sizable checks at us. And when you're, when you're buying houses, um, particularly with the way that we do it, cash is going to win the game hundred percent of the time. You're going to be able to get a much better deal. You're going to be able to move faster because when you come in with cash, you're generally saying, I'm not going to do an inspection. You don't have to worry about an appraisal. So you don't have to worry about making value. We're going to play pay closing costs. So I mean, there, we can close whenever. So you just, there's, there's, you're a lot more competitive when you can do that. And so for us just getting started, we were willing to give up a part of the equity of a very growing business that didn't really have much to give us the ability to, to, to build and grow the business and build capital. We're now in the process of um, considering buying that other partner out um, and, and moving on from that. Uh, it's been a great relationship. We've really enjoyed it, but it's just gotten to a place to where we don't necessarily need that capital anymore, if that makes sense. Uh, gotcha. And so to give up that much equity is it just, it becomes really, really expensive. That's super interesting. Now I'm going to challenge this a little bit because if I've been listening to both of that wall street for any amount of time, I've been, I've been interested in passive income. Mm. Okay. And what it sounds like to me, JD, is flipping a bunch of houses is not very passive. It's as active. It is. So, it is so insanely hit, hit me with this. How, how do you turn what you've been doing into a passive business? Because that's where financial freedom really comes from. Hit me, hit right. me with that. Yeah. So this is really a segue. And this is something that I learned being at the Passive Income Mastermind Retreat. Uh, and talking with a bunch of other real estate investors is most of them started flipping houses. Like that's where their story began. And then it evolved into commercial or multifamily uh, or, or doing what are called um, um, a burr, right? B-R-R-R-R, I believe is there's, there's four R's, uh, buy a house, renovate it or rehab it, rent it, um, refi, and then repeat. Uh, is is what the birth strategy stands for. And so this is essentially where you can go in and buy a house, uh, flip it, and then put a renter in it, do a cash out refi, get all your capital back. And now you have a long-term rental 
with no cash in the deal anymore. You've essentially got the house theoretically for free. Uh, and so you can do that on the long-term rental side, but then you can also do it on the short-term rental side. So if you're really into short-term rentals, you can do the exact same thing. Uh, and so that's a way that you can also turn this into passive income. For us, this is a big capital play for us. We're trying to build as much capital as possible uh, because we do really like the idea of multifamily um, as well as the idea of potentially getting into some commercial stuff like storage units and those types of things. But that requires even more capital than what we're doing on a single family flip side. Mm. Uh, so this is just a very much a capital play for us. We're trying to build as much capital as possible so that whenever those, those big passive income opportunities present themselves, we'll be able to take advantage. Because like Russ said, you know, his big, his big idea was, was, was capital is what you needed. Um, which, which is true. It's, it's part of what you need. It's, it's not all of what you need, but it definitely is part of it. Yeah. Cause it sounds like, uh, you've been able to do this with none of your capital. So I, I still think Russ is wrong. That's right. Just for the record. <laughs> I mean, just throwing for it the out record. there. Um, so, so guys, we've been talking about this, how to practically do this. Um, one thing that I want to give Russ actually a shout out about that a few weeks back, he gave a challenge to our inner circle. And if you were there, you know uh, what I'm talking about, but he mentioned, how do you know if there's capital out there? And he said, you can take an inventory really by going to people that you know, and not necessarily asking that person for their capital, but saying, Hey, look, I'm, I'm investing in some deals. Uh, at this point, I have more deals than I have cash. And I'm looking to see if there's anybody that you may know that is interested in getting 10 to 15% returns, um, I've got plenty of opportunity for them. And nine times out of 10, the person that you talk to is going to insert themselves into that conversation and say, well, I've got some money, like I'm interested, but they don't feel like a piece of meat at that point. Like you've come up and said, hey, how much money do you have? I'd love to, to you know, you'd invest with me. They, they feel more at ease in that situation. So just something as simple as that, um, could, you could go and take inventory of your friends right now and say, and your family members and see, are there people out there that would be able to back you in the event that you've, again, in the order we've already talked about, had a proof of concept and have a valuable investment strategy that will also help them obtain what they're looking for. So uh, that's just a thought that I had. Guys, as we, as we round this out, I'd love to have any last thoughts. Um, Mark, if you wanna start us off. Yeah, from not actually being someone who has uh, really gone after this other than like other people's money, such as banks or whatnot, but I have been fortunate to be on the, being the, the solicited side, being the lender side. And one of the, the last points that we were, were talking about there is figuring out, you know, what is the stake that's going to happen? How is this going to be played back? Is this an equity share? Is it an interest payment? And that's something that you, as the person who's going in soliciting these dollars, you're going to need to have an idea of how you want that to run, how you want it to look, right? It's no different than going into the car dealership or, or going to Vegas and knowing how much money you have. And that's it. You're not going to go run to the ATM. Although if you are, please use one of mine. Um, definitely please. Yes. Uh, silent, you know, gentle plug there for, for my side. But but kind of having <laughs> having an idea of you know, are you prepared to do an equity share, right? Are you or is is interest more along the way? And you may need to do equity if the business that you're borrowing for 
isn't going to generate something right away. And so you may have to make some decisions based on how you're borrowing this money and what you're borrowing it for, but just have those ideas already in your head to help yourself out. Perfect. Ernie, last thoughts. I agree, I agree with that and would add, if you're raising capital for a business, you're the one in a sense holding the risk. Yes, the people you carry a great responsibility, as JD said. If you if the, if a deal goes bad, you don't want your investors to lose money, but you're the one that's holding that risk. So you should be paid for managing that risk. So if you're borrowing money, giving away um, interest, potentially giving away equity, there's got to be meat left on the bone at the end to make all this worth it. There, there's nothing like. Uh, starting a fire with some gasoline and not having any sticks to keep it, keep it burning. That leaves everybody cold in the end. Mm. So you want to make sure that this, that this, that this, that this way of potentially accelerating your way to passive into financial freedom, uh, make sure that it's, it's worth it. Uh, can I go ahead and say Ernie's analogy game is on point today. It is fire. It's strong. Yeah, it's fire. <laughs> exactly. Man. <laughs> JD, what about you? Last thoughts. Uh, my last thoughts are, um, and this is something that I, I've struggled with and, and even now still struggle with, but don't be scared to be willing to pay other people to use their capital. I think oftentimes we can look at a deal and get really excited about the numbers and then you want to keep as much of that profit as possible, right? But what I have found is that the more you're willing to share, like the more things just continue to come to you. Um, and so just as a kind of a quote to that or, or parting thought is don't be penny wise and pound foolish. It's okay to give up a little to get a lot going forward. Um, and so just, just keep that in mind that when you're raising money and you're, you're paying somebody else for their capital, whether it be through equity or whether it be through an interest rate, as long as you believe in the deal and the numbers work, it doesn't matter as long as everybody wins. Like you want to create a win, win, win situation. Always remember that the moment you pitch a deal, and it is a win for you and lose for them, you'll never get the deal. It has to be a win, win, win for everyone. Oh, I love that. And I'm going to bring us back a little bit full circuit here. So we, we spoke a lot about raising capital from outside investors today, just I feel like there's um, a lot to learn in that, in that regard. But maybe at the beginning, you heard us talk about family banking or infinite banking, and you're like, hey, I don't really know what that stuff is. That is another means to other people's money, leveraging uh, your dollars to accelerate financial freedom. It's the only reason why we have those things in our community. And this is just a quick plug. If you haven't already joined us in the inner circle, you have an opportunity. Um, jump on a call with one of these guys here. You've heard them for, uh, on the podcast and uh, go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call. And they can uh, walk you through how to join the inner circle. Also, how to get access to different courses like Infinite Banking 101 and Family Banking uh, within our inner circle all come with that. So love to have you continue that learning possibility. Guys, thanks as always for being on here and adding so much value. And thank you for listening. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.